Everybody have a hand. It, it should, you should have, how many pages should you have? <laughs> Three, okay. Oops. <laughs> yeah, one of them just looks like this. And then, it, and then I guess there's a two-pager that's a note-taking outline. Is that right? Okay. Thank you all for letting us inundate you with some paper there. <clears throat> At least we didn't type it up on a typewriter. I mean, we've advanced a little bit. I mean, we used a computer. That's right. Um, you know, that singleness that David was praying about, singleness of focus on the Lord. That's the singleness I'm referring to. <laughs> um, it reminds me of my dad. <laughs> and... Um, I've been thinking a lot about my parents over the years. I've, 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 I've been taking care of my parents. And uh, my mom just turned 90. And my dad passed in October of 16. So we've, he's been gone about two and a half years, you know. But in the mornings, I will listen to some praise music. Do y'all ever turn in on any praise music in the mornings? And I don't know who you, do y'all have like Spotify or? Pandora, is it Pandora? No? Spotify, okay. Well, or I'll, I'll say Alexa. Alexa, play some Fernando Ortega. Pastor, you know that name? Would you please write that name down? What's that? Well, you talk about some God-honoring praise music that, you know, he plays the piano, and I'm telling you, he brings you to the presence of the Lord. And one of his most famous songs, I wish I knew the name of it. Y'all help me uh, at, at break to, you know, well, you don't have your, <laughs> we don't have service up here. Never mind. <clears throat> but, um, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. I think the name of the song is Give Me Jesus. That's it. You familiar with it? And so as my dad had his, his final stroke, and he, we had him in the hospice there, and he was not, you know, conscious at all, but um, I was with him, you know, during those final 12 days. And uh, one morning, and a day or two before he, he passed, and it was the greatest honor of my life, the greatest honor of my life to be there with my dad as he passed this life to the next. Um, Fernando Ortega, I had my Pandora on, you know, 5.30 in the morning, pitch black dark. There was my dad breathing heavy, you know, in that bed, just me and him, you know. And I had this praise music on, you know. And when I come to die, There my dad was. Give me Jesus. What else is there? There really is nothing else, is there? It really puts life in perspective, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, there's something about a birth of a, you know, a new life and the passing of a life that just helps us see uh, life a little more clearly, I think. 
And so write, write him down if you would, uh, as you're thinking through your praise music in the mornings, you know, don't, don't always turn the, you know, the bebop, you know, the ditties on, you know, that you got the, you know, get the, you know, the dancing in the shower or something, you know, I don't know. But something that really will take your soul, you know, to the real very presence of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that, and, and that <laughs> Fernando is good for me. He's good for me. <clears throat> well, friends, uh, look at that handout if you would. Um, did y'all enjoy last night, by the way? Uh, the bonfire didn't happen, I guess, huh? Sorry about that. Um, the, uh, the, the movie, how'd the movie go? <laughs> Spider-Man came through, huh? Bree, Bree steer, steered you right on that one, didn't she? Okay. And, um, you know, I was in there in the games section, and there's, there's some brutal cutthroat people in there. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the deeds of the spirit are not near as evident as the deeds of the flesh, you know? <laughs> no, no, they let me win, actually. I mean, that was very kind of them. They let me win. I, they were whispering before I got there. Okay, let's, let's let the old guy win, okay? <laughs> Look at this sheet, if you would, this one here, okay? And before I get started here, do I have, oh, there's my, there's my, there's my baton. Oh, yeah. Before, I, before we get into this, uh, I, I, I brought kind of a very weak bookstore. I, I, everything at uh, the, 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 the college students in Oklahoma just kind of wiped me out. I said, please leave a few things for our California crowd. So if, if you see something there you want to order a batch of or something, we can go to this site, cmimpress.org. But uh, there's a new book that we have out really for non-Christians, for young Christians that that are just trying to get them started in their, their Christian life called Unsatisfied. Where are you finding your satisfaction in Christ? Has anyone read Brown Like Coffee? Yeah. Oh, my word. Okay. Well, we've redone that. Do you all know we've redone it? No more cow cover, no more path cover. Sorry. Just the coffee cover, you know. But it, we revised that and put it out last year. So please, uh, we, we're, we're out of those, but you can order them, of course. Uh, I think we're out of Fuel in the Flames, but uh, we're, we're, Paul and I are redoing that, you know. Um uh, <laughs> In fact, in fact, I think he's putting so much into it, it's going to be the fuel in the flame by Paul Wooster with Steve Shandrick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. How about, how about Paul Wooster, an associate? Now, um, we've got a number of these, Heart of the Campus. Now, we, staff team, we were talking this morning at breakfast about some things, about uh, how do you really uh, have a movement on your campus? And how do you go to the heart of the campus? And, and which students uh, will help you to really um, get to the heart and, and, and start a movement? And where your, your campus become a launching pad, a ascending base. And so anyway, this is just a couple years old, and uh, that's, a, that's, that's there. Now, this one on the left, has anyone ever been through the Explore booklet? Oh, okay, several of you have. Wow. This thing has divine wind behind it. Some things we produce, they sit on the shelf and gather dust. This one is now in 17 languages. You know, it was downloaded in 150 countries last year. It's, just, it's, it's, it's the perspective course, if you've heard of that. Boil down, boil down, boil down into seven lessons, you know. And it's group, group, you know, group discussion format. And, and, it, and it goes over God's, God's word, you know, if, if we're uh, studying about God's heart for the nations. What does it say in his word? And then secondly, God's world. 
What is the current status of world evangelization? What is God doing? And finally, God's work. What role do we play? Where do we fit in? You know, if you really want to develop this world Christian lifestyle and you're wanting to start mobilizing others, there's this companion tool called Go Mobilize. I think we just have one left, but we got a bunch of explorers. And then I, we, we, we have maybe four or five of these left. It's the God Ask, and I think some of you have, uh, have got that, and it's just the biblical and practical basis for raising your personal support. If you're thinking about going into ministry or missions, um, that's a tool that you can use. So, and and, and there, you can do cash. You can do, do you all do Venmo or Cash App? So anyway, please uh, have at it. Um, sorry I didn't bring, bring more, get more here, but. Okay, that's the commercial there, huh? Um, okay, uh, now I've got a, a slide here that's uh, a little different than the one you're looking at, but it's the same uh, material, same information. Uh, uh, this is just the discipleship ladder. How about that? We'll call it that. We won't call it the, uh, the roadmap. We'll call it the discipleship ladder. You see, because we're moving, hopefully, prayerfully, <laughs> as we mature in Christ, we're moving up this, this ladder from, a, from just a, a normal person, you know, a contact, to a true convert to a growing Christian, to a disciple, to a disciple maker, and finally to a reproducer. And, um, and so, uh, here are the profiles. Now, these are just my opinions, friends. As you look at what, what, what is a true convert, I didn't turn to Romans 7 and this was written there, you know. No, this is just a conglomeration of verses of Scripture and some experience to say, okay, what, what would a true convert be? And that's, that's, that's one man's opinion. You... you you come up with your own profiles if you got some thoughts on it, okay? What is the basis, or what, is, what would be the value of these profiles? It, it, to to kind of give the, 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 the basic um, uh, components of what a disciple would be or what a disciple maker would be. Why would we put this together? What, what is the value of this, do you think? What do you think? Let me hear, hear from a student. The value of something like this, yes. Okay, you can evaluate where I'm at, okay? I, I, I'm right here in the process, okay, excellent. So it's a good self-evaluation tool. What else? Yes. Okay, yeah, if, if you don't know where you're going, I guess any road will get you there, right? <laughs> uh, it's your GPS. It, it, it shows you if this is what we're trying, if we're commanded to make disciples, Okay, here's the roadmap. Here's the plan to get me there. And I'm praying and working and planning towards making this happen. So, yeah, it has a twofold purpose to evaluate ourselves, but also as kind of a, a, a planning tool to work with others. And so as you're reading through that, um, that's what I want you to do. I, I want you to, <clears throat> to evaluate yourself. Okay, and we're going to ask you these questions in a minute. But, but look at, look at the, there's some major uh, distinguishing parts here. Excuse me, boy, I'm really messing up there. There you go. Look at the differences. I think it's at the top of your page. A disciple has a heart for God. But a disciple maker has taken it the next step. They not only have a heart for God, but now they have a heart for people. A disciple is personally willing to make any sacrifice to grow themselves. But a disciple maker has moved beyond themselves. It says, now I don't want, it's just not that I'm growing. I'm willing to make any sacrifice to help another person grow. You see the difference? So it's a big step. 
We're moving from a convert to a disciple, and it's a big step from moving a disciple to a disciple maker. So where are you at? Where would you place yourself on this discipleship roadmap? You know another, you know another way you can use this tool? As you're challenging a Christian who you think needs to start growing and they may not see themselves as needing to grow, you can lay this in front of them and go over this with them and then ask them these questions. Well, Jack, bro, dude, where would you place yourself on this discipleship roadmap as we looked at those profiles, Jack? Yeah, I know I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm probably somewhere over here. Well, really, that's interesting. Why would you place yourself there? Well, you know, I mean, he's going to give his reasons. You know. Well, Jack, as you look at this, where, where do you believe God would want you to be? Well, I, you know, man, alive. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sure he'd probably want me, you know, over here somewhere. Yeah, I, I bet so, Jack. Why, why would you believe God wants you there? Now, I'm trying to get him to answer the questions. I'm trying to unpeel the onions. I'm trying to recruit him is what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to convince him. I quit convincing people years ago. I'm not trying to promote or convince. I'm recruiting. And the definition of recruiting is helping someone see their need. You're asking enough questions of them, peeling the onion back enough to where they can self-discover their need to come to a conference, their need to get training, their need to join the Bible study. See what I'm saying? I'd love to have a recruiting workshop with everyone on how do you recruit people, not convince them, not promote something, but simply asking good questions to the point where they of themselves discover they need to do this. Well, why do you believe God wants you to be there, Jack? Well, Jack? If, do, you, do you really believe God wants you to be there? Well, yeah. Well, what is your plan to get there, Jack? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, Jack, I mean, are, are you sure? I mean, as you look, I don't want you to jump to any conclusions here, Mac. Don't anything irrational here. But you're saying you believe God wants you to be a disciple maker? Well, yeah, I think so. But do you have any plan? Do you have any ideas at all how to get there? Well, no, I, I'm really not. Well, what, what kind of sacrifices, Jack, do you think it's going to make? What, what obstacles or sacrifices do you think you're going to have to make to, to get to where God is going to get you there, you know? Well, he's going to talk about his time and his, you know, all the different issues and things. And at some point you can say, well, Jack, bro, I'm busy, you're busy. But if you're serious about this, if you really want to grow in Christ, if you really want to become a disciple maker, I'd be willing to help you. Is this really what you want to do? I'd love to help you, but you got to tell me if this is something that you're really serious about. <laughs> you're in the process of recruiting him. See the difference? We can talk more about that sometime. But where would you place yourself here? Where do you think God wants you? What's it going to take to get there? Would you add anything to my comments at all, Paul, on, on this sheet at all? I mean, I, 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 you and I talked about this sheet. Um, anything, any, any insight or challenge beyond, I'm going to move on here unless you have something you want to add to it. Anything at all? I'd just say uh, make sure to 
make sure to really think about yourself and where you stand and actually look at the next step on the ladder and ask yourself, what is the question? I mean, what is it going to take for me to take the next step up the ladder? So that's, that's your first question. Because you can't train someone to be a reproducer or a disciple maker if you're not one. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's a great point right there. Okay. Thank you, bro. <clears throat> okay. Let's get back to our note-taking outline there, and I'm going to fly through this. We've got a lot to cover, and I, I'm going I'm to hopefully um, uh, not, not skip too much stuff. <laughs> um, but um, the place of maximum spiritual growth for you, it's the hot box. Anybody play baseball or softball in junior high, high school, whatever, you know? And did you ever hit the ball and you're running around first base you're, and, and you rounded around first base a little too far? And all of a sudden, that outfielder throws the ball back to the first baseman and now what are you in? You're in a pickle. You ever seen someone in a pickle? I mean, they're, they're, oh, second base, oh, first base, oh, second base, you know, they're going to throw you out, I guarantee you. It's, it's unlikely you're going to you know, get to one of those bases safe, right? But you've never been in such a frenzied you know, situation in your life. Well, that's what the spiritual hotbox is. And down south, we sometimes we don't call it a pickle sometimes. We call it a hotbox, you know. Well, this is you in the middle. The place is maximum spiritual growth is if you have a discipler, but also that you are now discipling, trying to pour into someone, okay? You have a Paul pouring into you, and you have a Timothy that you're pouring into, right? Or ladies, you have a, a Paulette, <laughs> you know, and a, what would be a female Timothy name? I can't think of one, right? Timothyette. <laughs> Timette. So you say, well, you know, Steve, you don't really know my situation. I've grown up in the church. My grandfather was a preacher. I've been to about every youth conference and mission seminar. I've been overseas three times. You really don't know how spiritual I am. I really don't need a discipler. My discipler is God. Well, that's impressive. That's very impressive. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm afraid you need one more than anybody does. So you say, well, you know, I'm not really to, ready to work with other people, Steve. I, 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 I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of young. I'm kind of new here. You know, I'm, I, I'm really not that mature. I just need someone to pour into me, pour into me, pour into me. You know, sometime down the road, I, I may feel led to, you know, start working with others. But right now, I'm just, you know, you know bless me, bless me, pour into me. Have you ever seen a, a pond or something where the water's flowing in? But the water's not flowing out. Pee, it stinks. <laughs> Friends, if you're just taking in, taking in, taking in, but you're not giving it out, giving out, giving out, your life's going to become very stale, very stinky. And the, even that discipling relationship will become very old and, 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 and sterile you got to be applying and giving out to others. This is the place of maximum growth. If I were you, before I leave this, this beautiful place, I'd make sure that I have someone who's going to be pouring into me back at Chico. And, and tomorrow morning, 
I'm going to give you a chance to write down some names of exactly people that you could and should start being pouring into. And so the place of maximum spiritual growth. Well, evangelism, look at your sheet here. The goal is a convert, right? The goal is a convert. Establishing the goal is what? A disciple. In equipping, now the goal is disciple maker. That's right. And as you export them, had to come up with a fourth E. Sorry, it had to have an E. It had to be an E, you know. Uh, your goal is a reproducer. Now they're going to be able to do this again and again once they're out on their own. And so, you know, how many world changers are on your campus? This is, a, this is my personal opinion, my little numbers here. But if there, if there are 10,000 students on a whole campus, which is a little bit smaller than Chico State, isn't it? This is probably a high number, but in the South, there may be as high as 5,000 that have some church background to them. They're churched ones. But I would say less than 1,000 of them would be truly born-again Christians. Out of those 5,000 that say, oh, yes, I, I was raised in church or something. Out of those 1,000 born-again Christians, I would say 250 of them might be really growing daily. They have some sort of daily growth plan. Only 50 of them, one out of five, would be sold-out Christians. They would beat this profile of a disciple, of what we're talking about, a disciple, okay? Only 20 of those, though, have actually led someone to Christ. They've befriended someone. They've shared their testimony. They've shared the gospel. They've led them to Christ. That's, that's, that's unusual for an undergraduate student to do that. If, you, if you're doing that, that's the, you're, you're one of the 20. Only 10 of those, half of them, actually followed them up. You led them to Christ, and now you've got a, a specific follow-up plan. You're spending time with them to get them established in their faith. Only three to five would actually take them to the point where they've made a disciple. They, they, they've, they've brought this convert all the way to be a disciple. You are now a disciple maker. And then just one or two on that, co that campus of 10,000, that's a reproducer. In other words, they have a strong third generation. They're doing, they, they know how to do it over and over again. You say, Steve, these are kind of low numbers. Yes. Why would they be so low numbers? Have you thought about that? Why does Jesus say the harvest is so plentiful but the labors are so few. I hope, that, I hope this inspires you. I don't want it to discourage you. I, I'm asking God to want, to, that there be some reproducers, some disciple makers come out of this group. Say, I think they're already here. But what about more? What about more? Ladies, if you happen to see a guy that's a disciple maker, a reproducer, you may want to propose on the spot right there. I mean... <laughs> I mean, that's a rare bird. Guys, you see a lady that fits one of these, these profiles, I think I'd, you know, get her phone number, you know. Uh, your social life will, you know, go straight up. Um, this is an unusual person uh, that's going to really make a difference with their life. And so how many, how, how many on your campus? Are there, are there small groups right now meeting at Chico? That are, that are planning and praying how to turn that campus upside down for Christ. You think they're probably spending their whole spring break, aren't they, dotted all around the Chico area right now, planning and praying for that, don't you think? Oh, they're here. They're not there, huh? They're here. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, friends, those 10,000 students that I'm describing, 
they're not planning and praying on how to turn your campus upside down for Christ. You may be the only ones that are doing this. That's a sense of destiny for me. That's a sense of power and destiny and authority and purpose to know we may be the ones that God has chosen. I remember a group of five men, my ministry team, and there we were at midnight in this little room above my, in my apartment next to the campus there. And we were planning and praying and plotting, the five of us, how to turn that campus upside down for Jesus Christ. And as we're pulling in, the five of us looking at each other deep in the eyes, and that little lamp there was giving us a little bit of light. Man, the sense of unity and destiny and bond that we had. Oh, man. There's nothing that's compared. You pull together with some other committed believers, say, we're going to see this campus turned upside down for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, that's better than any uh, Spider-Man movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, five keys to implementing your ministry. We're going to go through these pretty quick. Do you mind? Prayer is always the place to start, is it not? S.D. Gordon is one of my favorite ones. Pastor Gary might know this, this author. He's gone now, but one of his famous statements is, prayer is the real work of the ministry. Service is just gathering in the results of prayer. And, and the years that I have prayed, I've seen God work miraculously. And the years that I haven't prayed, which I guess shows I'm leaning on myself, right, rather than God, it seems like there's not much fruit. Prayer is where we begin to bathe this whole process. And you want to persist. Where you want to start there as you bathe this whole process in prayer is to persist in dynamic evangelism, okay? You see that there? Ongoing relational evangelism on your campus. Building relationships with people on that campus. If you're not part of an affinity group, we'll join an affinity group. There's probably at least 100 of them there, all kinds of clubs and, 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 and living places and, 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 and social groups. And so, you know, I appreciate you being part of Christian Challenge. That is a group. That is an affinity group. But, but we are to scatter into these other groups, okay? So make sure where you're living and, and, and the groups you're forming, you have a chance to build ongoing relationships with these people in some affinity group and sh be sharing the gospel with them, okay? Make the DNA of your ministry evangelism. That's the cutting edge. Evangelism in some ministries, that's, that's, the, that's the E word. I mean, that's the, that's, the, that's the scariest word they could ever think of. But I think for you all, you are much more used to it. And so this idea of, um, of, of trying to um, follow Christ and let him make you a fisherman. Do you know that verse, Philippians, I'm, excuse me, Matthew 419? you remember that one? Who, who can quote that one for me? Matthew 419? Yes, sir? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if we flip that around, does it mean that if I'm not fishing for men, that I'm not following Christ? Would you, that might be an accurate interpretation, I don't know. But he says, follow me, and I will. I remember I did a, I did a, a, a little quiet time for 30 days, and I wanted, to I wanted to study all the places in the Gospels where Jesus said, I will, and I want to study those. It was a fun study. Do that sometime. And guess what I discovered? <laughs> Every place that Jesus said, I will, 
He did. <laughs> and if he says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I think that's a promise, friends. And if he says, I will, he will. So let's follow and become fishermen, fisherwomen. A ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not, that's not what ships are built for, right? And so what I love to do is I like to get groups of non-Christians together, okay? And I like to start John studies. This is a tool you can use. I do not prepare. I don't want to prepare. All I do is I provide the place, maybe, maybe a little snacks or something. I recruit the guys. I, didn't, I don't invite them. I recruit them. And they're there. Like this group here, uh, we've met 10 times in a row. Seven guys, no one has missed. 7 a.m. on Wednesday mornings, that's pretty good. I think because they were recruited, not just convinced or invited. We can talk more about that if you want. But a John study, what is what? I pass out the Bibles because I don't even think they have Bibles. I pass out the pens, I pass out the paper, and we read a chapter of John each week. They read it out loud. They take turns reading it out loud. And we draw a line right down the middle of the sheet, and we're just going to discuss two questions. I'm not the teacher. I'm not the authority. I'm just the facilitator. Okay? And the two questions that we talk about amongst ourselves are, first one is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is there something from chapter 1 of John here that we're reading out loud together? Is there any indication at all about who is Jesus? And, of course, John chapter 1, there's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah, Pastor Gary preached a series of 10 sermons on the person of Christ from John chapter 1 alone. The other question we ask is, okay, the other, on the other side of the ledger is, is we're talking, we're, the guys are taking notes, we're talking with each other, discussion. They'll try to make me the authority. They'll come back and go, well, what do you think, Shad? What, what's the answer? Oh, I don't know. What do you think, Joe? That's a good question. You know, I'm keep that beach ball going the whole time. Doesn't ever stop with me. I'm not the leader. I'm not the authority. I didn't even prepare. I just showed up like you guys did. I want to learn with you. The second question is, okay, is there something here? What, what does he want from me? That's the question. What does he want from me? That's it. That's the total hour. Once the hour's up, it's over. Guys, it's, uh, it's 8 o'clock. we got to quit. No, no, we can keep. No, no, we said we'd stop at 8, you know. I want him hungry for coming back next week. Guys and gals, those are the two most important questions in life. Do you realize that? There are no more two, two more important questions in all of the history of all of mankind's existence than who is Jesus and what does he want from me? You talk about some entree into the gospel. When we're, share, when we're getting ready to meet one-on-one -on -one at that little, that little pizza place that nobody comes to and I got my back booth there where I can lead guys to Christ and there's nobody in the, in the restaurant at all, that's where I like to go. They're ready. They've been prepped. The word of God has prepped them. Because they've been studying for weeks now, and the Holy Spirit's been wooing them. Who is Jesus, and what does he want from me? So try that. Plus, it becomes a great quiet time for you. You could do that. You could journal that all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just a chapter a day. Those two questions, right? It's a simple little quiet time. Simple little Bible study. You could start that study next week. Next week, you go back, recruit your little group of four or six or eight, and boom, you got your John study right there. One of the greatest evangelistic tools I've ever seen. All you need is a Bible, piece of paper, pen, donuts, you're off to the matrices. There you go. Locale, locale donuts. That was my specialty. 
as it relates to evangelism, are you able to ask the golden question? This is hard for me sometimes. I don't want to be rejected. I like for people to like me. And so as I'm sharing the gospel and I'm getting close to the decision time, for some reason my heart you know, starts beating faster. And, and my throat, my throat starts to get a little dry. I could barely speak. And, and I'm having a hard time keeping my eyes on his. I kind of want to look away, you know, because I know I'm about to ask the golden question. And so finally, as I'm reviewing and rephrasing and stalling and, you know, <laughs> you know, what do you think? And where, you know, over here and over there, I'm finally getting to the question. <clears throat> Cameron. Do you, uh, <clears throat> I mean, do you, uh, does this make sense? I mean, um, would you like to possibly, you don't have to, uh, maybe this idea of, you know, putting your faith, your trust, you know, in <clears throat> Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe even as your Lord, <laughs> you know, maybe even right now. And then have the courage to zip the lip. To give Cameron enough honor and dignity to answer your question. Without you still, you know, breaking, well, you know, let me review, let me rephrase, let me get a, get a, realign us here, you know. No, no. It is their turn to talk. Well, I don't like the silence, Steve. That seems a little awkward to me. I understand. I understand. You don't want to ask it in a, in a, a confrontation. Will you or will you not, Cameron, receive Christ right now? <laughs> no, it's not a death stare. It's a relational, casual, winsome discussion, heart to heart. And I do it nice and slow, looking them right in the eyes. Because I care for their soul. I want them to sense that I care about them and I care about your soul. The condition and destination of your soul. I don't care or I don't know if anybody else in your entire life will, but I'm going to. And I'm going to risk the relationship to do so. And you know, during those two or three seconds of awkward silence, if there is some, Never their 70 years will the Holy Spirit have more opportunity to bring divine tension into their life, I promise you, than during those few seconds when you're looking at them and they're looking at you and you've asked them to receive Christ. And I'm telling you, they'll never forget that. Although they'll forget 10,000 conversations during their lifetime. But they'll never, ever forget that guy, what was his name, you know, back at Chico State that bought me some coffee and he asked me that question, you know. They'll never forget that question, that conversation, I promise you. And they can't stand before God someday and say, Lord, I didn't have a chance. Oh, no, 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 you had the chance. Let me, let me just kind of rewind the MP3 here or whatever it is, the diskette or cassette tape or whatever he uses. I don't know what he uses up there. but <laughs> Eight-track tapes, that's what we used to use, right? Eight-track tapes, that's right. 
You know, this may not sound very Calvinistic, sorry about it, but uh, I believe the, one of the main reasons that more students don't receive Christ is that they're not asked to receive Christ. I've noticed an amazing correlation between the number of people I've asked to receive Christ, Paul, who receive Christ. It's unbelievable. The more people I ask to receive Christ, the more people receive Christ. The fewer people I ask to receive Christ, the fewer people receive Christ. I don't understand the correlation at all. <laughs> this is one question I love to ask that is, I think it's, it's non-threatening. You, you ought to write this one down. It's a huge thing. <clears throat> As you're just in your conversation with them, you're building a relationship, talking about all kinds of things. Joe? Bro? Some term of affection, you know. If you could know God in a personal way, would you want to? It's not, don't, don't ask it in an angry, intimidating way, you know. Just a real hypothetical way. Daniel, if you could know God in a personal way, would you want to? And I think even, even, in, even on the left coast here, you know, even in California, I think there are going to be a whole lot of students. If you ask it like that, they'll go, yeah, yeah, I probably would. Would you say that's an entry and opening into the gospel? <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> Olivia, sorry I was late to our, our we were going to meet here and talk at 10, and we were, we were in, engrossed in the, in the dining room. I apologize. I'm just realizing my, my absence here. <laughs> Public confession is good for the soul. <laughs> you know, some people say, no, I'm just going to live the gospel in front of people. I don't need to speak. You know, what is the old saying? It's a bunch of, it's a pile of hooey. But what is the saying? Uh, if necessary, use words. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't apply that? You know, uh, I will, I'll tell people about God if necessary, but really I'm just going to let them see my life. The Apostle Paul, I'm not going to speak it. Let me just, no. As I read Romans 1.16, especially the context of that, Paul was talking about the message of the gospel. There's something about the spoken gospel words. There's power in those gospels. I, I don't know how it works, but the gospel message in and of itself has power. It really does. And so he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so there's your justification for you know, ministering the sororities and fraternities right there. He is right there, the Greeks. That's right. So please, it is the power of God. And I, guys can be, we can talk about all kinds of things, but all of a sudden when I share the gospel, when I ask them to receive Christ, for, not always, but sometimes the Holy Spirit just, boom. And all of a sudden, they're just, something's happened there. Make it simple and transferable in your evangelism and everything you do. Friends, I, I, I just, I just uh, I'm old school discipleship. 
You know, and so I, I'm back to the point. I used to do the, the you know, the, y'all, anybody do the one-verse bridge? Y'all like the one-verse bridge? I'm more comfortable with the 18-verse bridge. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not reproducible. It's not simple. When I get through playing all these verses and all these diagrams, I mean, they, they, I've had guys frame it. You know, I mean, they save it. It's, they want, a couple people want me to sign and autograph the 18-verse the, the bridge that I lay out for them. I mean, and they think, Shadrach, you must know the entire Bible. If they walk away from that appointment, that evangelism or a follow-up appointment, impressed with me, we have lost. We have lost, I promise you. And so what I do, friends, I keep it as simple and basic and reproduce. I'm back to the, this is how I came to Christ in 1973. I've come full circle, okay? Just just a little four spiritual laws you've seen now, haven't you, Gary? Yeah. And so when we get together, I'll have two of these, and I'm sitting across from them there at my little pizza place that nobody comes to, except us. I read a page, he reads a page. I read a page, he reads a page. Here's the question. I ask the question. He answers the question. Boy, am I tempted to bring some cool, you know, Francis Chan quotes in there. Crazy love, you know. Uh, or, you know, where, where, where's my Tim Keller stuff? You know, just impress him with the wisdom of Keller, you know. No. I use self-control. I don't go to the left or the right. You know, why would I do that? Why would I just stick strictly Page one, I read. Page two, you read. Ask a question, you answer. Wow, I mean, I mean, why would I do that? Anybody? Because I'm a total idiot. Is that why? Or okay, Let's say that again out loud. I'm sorry. So you wouldn't be impressed with. Well, I hadn't quite thought about it that way, but I, I like that. That's good. <laughs> Throw that in, would you, Paul? That's right. we got to add that to the mix. That's right. Okay. Yes, ma'am? Yes. 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 The day the guy brought me through in the airport led me to Christ, the very next day, I read it to a guy, and he prayed. It's so basic. It's so reproducible. It's so transferable. If he walks away impressed with me and all the Bible verses and all the quotes and all the great diagrams, we've lost because, you know, he's going away. I could never do that. But if he walks away going, Shadrach, uh, that's it? We read a little booklet together? I thought you went to seminary, you know? That's it, the booklet? Where's the heavy stuff, you know? If he walks away saying, even I could do that. Boom. We just won, friends. We just won. I mean, it happened just recently. Jackson, the president of the Sigma Chi, is, you know, pre-med, and, you know, and we're, we're in Bible study to go. Now it's his turn. I, I say, now I'm each going to get one-on-one time with you just to kind of debrief from our large group time. So they're wanting to know, when is my one-on-one debrief time, you know? Okay, well, I'll get to you. I'll get to you. Be patient, you know? They're setting a gospel appointments with me. That's exactly. So Jackson and I are eating lunch. They're a sandwich at my, my home. And so he, he was from a liberal Methodist family. He thought he was, you know, could do enough good works to get to heaven. And so now we're going through the, I read a page, Jackson reads a page. I read a page, he reads a page. And he prays to receive Christ into his life. 
Guess what the very first thing that Jackson wants to do? The very first thing, as soon as we say amen. What do you think? Yes. He says, do you have a couple extra booklets of these? I've got these two roommates. They're pre-dental, you know. They're twins. They're from this town, and they desperately need to hear this. <laughs> That's one reason, if at all possible, as you're getting to know people on your campus, if they have a little network of relationships, okay, and friend, a little friend group, right? You, you win one of them to Christ, boom, now they can instantly become this ricochet of little revival going on, right? They want to share with their friends immediately. And once they come to Christ, I, the next morning, I say, now let's just start with seven minutes with God. I read a page, you read a page. <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> seven minutes with God. Isn't that nice? Then after we get our quiet time there, we'll open up our little beginning with Christ packet. Assurance of salvation, assurance of forgiveness, assurance of answered prayer, assurance of guidance, assurance of victory over temptation, you know. And we cut out the little card and we memorize the little verse together. How special. <laughs> And we'll then start into our little Bible study that the little booklet is tied to on Lessons on Assurance. I fill out a question, you fill out a question. I, why am I doing that? Why am I making it so simple, so basic, so reproducible? It's the overriding principle there that I want in my follow-up and in my, even my discipling. Like right now, Cole, I got to lead him to Christ three years ago. He was a president of Turner. He was in one of my little Bible studies, okay? And now I'm discipling and equipping Cole, and now he has led two guys to Christ. Guess how he is leading people to Christ, and guess how he is following them up? Exactly. I mean, this guy's a brilliant guy. But he's choosing to use exactly the same that I was. I guess I spent a lot of time on that, Paul. You can come up and look at my little booklets after the session. Good. And really, the next day after you receive Christ, uh, if you use the bridge illustration which I think really focuses great on the saviorship of Jesus Christ, but I think it's a little light on the lordship of Jesus Christ. So even when I do the bridge, and I, I encourage you the one-verse bridge, not the 18-verse bridge, okay? But, but I even bring the little circles, the little four-law circles into there that show the, uh, the lordship component. And so anyway, but the next day, I'll use a different tool. We'll go over the gospel again from a different angle just to really see, do they understand? Have they grasped it? What questions, you know? Do they truly understand salvation by grace through faith, not as a result of works? You know, do they really understand that? Well, we better move on here. Number two. <laughs> oh, my word. Lunch is at three, you said? Okay. Number two. Invest yourself. Invest yourself 
in establishing young believers. Well, let me give you some of my cool uh, slides here. Let's see, did I, did I miss a slide? Uh, start with prayer. We talked about that, right? Okay. Uh, how do you share your faith? Did we look at this slide? This is probably from, you know, 1980s. Uh, left on, am I afraid? Or are you cramming it down people's throat? No, we're, we're some winsome, you know, middle ground here, okay, of how we go about sharing our faith. And then, will I fear dominate me? I mean, young Timothy was struggling with this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Read 2 Timothy, he was struggling with, 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 with being embarrassed and afraid and ashamed. How you doing? How you doing? And, of course, you've got to learn a simple, transferable way to share the gospel, right? We talked about that. Thank you for your patience. And then we're going to talk about following them up, okay? Invest yourself in establishing young believers. And I've kind of already touched about some of the tools that I use. I get back with them within 24 hours. Already Satan's speaking. Already they've sinned. Already they think they've lost their salvation. Already their friends are saying, hey, bud, let's go do some dope. You know, I mean, they've already, they're already pushing them out. You know, the, 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 so you, you got to get back with them the first 24 hours for sure. Get them started on. Scripture memory is probably the most important thing. They can get started. Some verse they can cling to. That's why beginning with Christ and lessons on assurance are just essential. The first two weeks are critical, friends. Don't just love them and leave them. You know, don't just put a little notch on your butt. Yeah, Whew, got another one. Count that one for the stats, would you, Paul? No, no. This is a precious life that supposedly has been born into the kingdom. And you are the only person on this planet who has the desire, the heart, the opportunity, the ability to help them get started in this new life. Friends, that is a, don't be praying for new converts if you haven't even followed up the ones God's given you. That's an empty prayer. Oh, God, give us new converts, but you haven't even taken care of the ones he's provided you? Don't think so. Don't pray that prayer. You take care of the ones he's given you, and maybe he'll give you some more, right? And so this idea of the first two weeks, the first six months, and, and, and really, it's, it's like wet cement. You know, I, I'm still a sucker for this. I'm a kid at heart, I guess. And so even here a few weeks ago, they're pouring different cements, you know, down the square, on the square, Fable and everything. So it was about 5 o'clock. Of course, workmen, they, you know, 4.59, they're gone, you know. So I'm walking in about 6 o'clock from my office and everything, and they've kind of all got a roped off, you know, and I'm walking along and looking to see if anybody's, you know, around, you know. I'm doing my little initials right there in the corner, you know. <laughs> Next morning, what? Hey, it's there forever. <laughs> so I have a little tour of my grandkids about where my little SSs are around Fayetteville, you know. That's a bad example, though, isn't it? Gosh, <laughs> hadn't thought about that. But friends, whatever, whatever you put, whatever you, you start to build in the life of that new believer, if it's, if it's Scripture memory, if it's commitment to your local church, if it's generous giving, if it's personal holiness, if it's, if it's witnessing, if it's Bible study, if it's whatever it is that you're emphasizing, you're putting impressions on them. Do you realize that? But within six months, those impressions are hardening for good or for bad. Whatever you put into them for good or for bad, your strengths, your weaknesses, it's, it's going to be there with them for the rest of their life in some ways. That's scary to me. 
that's really scary to me because we reproduce after our own kind big time. We really do. So what are you, what are you building into their lives those first six months? That's so, so critical. The follow-up is essential. They're like wet cement. And neglected children usually become delinquent. Have you heard about that? Neglected children usually become delinquent. Don't count on this person really starting to walk with Christ if you have not poured into them the first day, the first two weeks, the first six months. Okay? That wheel illustration is really what we go after. Okay? We're trying to build the basics. This is your tool. This, once again, is your self-evaluation tool, right, of how you're doing in your own personal life. But it also becomes a planning tool as to how we're going to develop our, our young converts. So what are we doing? We're trying to use this, this wheel to recruit them to Christ as Lord, get them going in the basics, build as deep as you can. Remember, you can't make two disciples before you make one, and we will reproduce after our own kind. And so... I love, to, um, I love to use small groups. I, I love to meet with them individually. I love to use small groups. There's, there's power in a small group. They influence one another. And disciples are certainly made, not born. Wouldn't you agree? The importance of one individual. I know we, we're impressed by crowds. But can you look deep into the eyes of one college student and see the potential there? If you see the potential, they will grow into that potential. If you see them as a problem, they'll become a problem. It's like child rearing. However we view that person, they end up many times becoming that. And so invest yourself in establishing young believers. Let's just keep going. Thank you for your patience. Let's go to number three. Persevere in equipping the faithful to make disciples. Is that on there? Persevere to making this, uh, the faithful, to make disciples. And again, I like to use groups. Uh, I, I, I like groups. I don't, you can call them, we still get away with calling them Bible studies here in America. It's amazing. You give it a different name. Give it John's study or this one group I call the Immortal Six. You know, these guys that, and, and the first meeting is, did you say Immoral Six? <laughs> we all laughed. That'd be kind of more appropriate, really. No, immoral six. But, but, but what, what, what affinity group do you have on campus that you know of? See, you've got 30 people in that group that you know your contacts are there, and you're going to start a Bible study or whatever you want to call it, a manhood study, a John study, or whatever. And you're going to invite them. Don't stop there. Don't go pat yourself on the back. Hey, I've got a Bible study. How about you? No, that's not the end result. And so out of your affinity group of all your contacts, you're inviting certain ones and I love non-Christians. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I like to start from scratch with, you know, it's hard to teach old dog new tricks, right? And so I love to start investigative studies. But the, these could be studies for, for Christians. I'm not against Christians. Okay, so a Bible study, but it really doesn't stop there. I'm looking for which ones are the faithful ones. They come every time. They're, they're prepared every time. They really seem to want to grasp this, this material and, and, and run with it. But I don't stop just with the faithful ones. I'm praying and asking God for a key person, one or two persons that I can really now start to pour into and reproduce my life. And so use small groups. I call this the cake illustration. And so every affinity group, Paul, we say, have you caked them? I mean, I don't know how that got started, that phraseology. 
but every affinity group on Chico State needs to be caked. Okay? Cakers for Christ. <laughs> right? So which affinity group are you caking? Do you have a sweet tooth? You know, well, let's not go there. Okay. Okay, here we go. Persevere in equipping the disciples, make disciples. Uh, I don't like to select too early. I, I let them prove themselves. You know, on the first day of Bible study, I don't go to someone, do you want, to, you want me to meet with you and start discipling you? No, no, no. Let them prove themselves faithful, okay? Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, Proverbs says, but a faithful man who can find? Luke 16.10, it says he is faithful in little things, will be faithful also in much. And so let them over time prove themselves to be this type of person before you select them to start discipling. You want to select students full of, here it is, my little acrostic here. Can you fill this out? It's full of faith. We used to use just fat, uh, but I, you know, as I, more get weight I gained, I felt more self-conscious about using that, that alliteration. So I decided to expand it a little bit, you know, to kind of take the pressure off me. Uh, I'm going to get back to the gym soon. Um, these baggy shirts help. Okay, here it is. Faithful. A man or woman of faith is who I'm looking for. They are faithful. They're available. Matthew 4.20, you know, and, and the follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You remember that? And then 20, verse 20, <laughs> they immediately dropped their debts and followed him. Whoa, that's what I call availability. I, are they initiator? Are they a doer? You might write down 2 Timothy 2 too. The second part of that is you're looking for faithful men who what? Who will be able to teach others also. They're going to be able to take, willing to take what you give them and pass it on to others. They're not a dead end. Teachable, letter T there. You look up Proverbs 8 and 9, those two chapters, and it says a teachable person is the one who will appreciate you and love you for correcting them. The fool is the one who will, you know, hate you for correcting them. So find folks who are open to respond to correction. And finally, heart. A heart for God, a heart for people. Matthew 22, the greatest command, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So those are just some, some things to um, think about as you're starting to choose which people to really start to equip You've evangelized, you've established, and now you're equipping them. There's my little, my little funnel. You see my funnel? Is it on your page on the right there? These are my terminology. You come up with your own terminology, but look at that, investigative groups. Those are primarily for non-believers. Okay? No, no preparation. The only requirement is to come. It's inward-focused. You're trying to lead them to Christ. But once they come to Christ and start growing, you start to select certain ones to join a discipleship group. These are believers. These are believers, and it has an inward and outward focus to it. You're using, you're using the wheel illustration, inward and outward focus, to build into their life to help them meet the profile of that disciple. And finally, once you've been with them for a year or more, you know, and they're really starting to witness, and they've, they've picked out their own affinity group that they want to start focusing on, now you can invite them to be part of a ministry team. That is outward focused. These are disciples who are ready, who are already starting to witness and reach out to others. And that's an outward focus, you see. We can go into more depth of that if you want. But, and, of course, the book does. Training, friends. Training consists of knowledge, skills, character, and vision. You see those four there? I appreciate Bible schools. Appreciate seminaries. But out of these four, which one do they primarily focus on? No. 
I, I'm not rec- I've been to the largest denominational seminary in the world. I've been to the no- largest non-denominational seminary in the world. You know, I've been to, I, I don't, I'm not recommending seminary at all, please. <laughs> but if all you get is more and more and more knowledge, your head is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And your hands and your heart are getting tinier and tinier and tinier, you know. (laughs) They're just not set up to really do skills, character, and vision. They're kind of mass producing, seeing how much information we can get into your brain somehow. I I, I love some of these seminaries. I love some of these Bible schools. I'm not not railing against them. They just, I, I remember asking one of them, they called it training. They were calling it training. And you go to some of these pastors, I bet you, Pastor Gary's been, they, they pull up to you, you know, where you, where'd you get your training, brother? What they're asking is, where'd you go to seminary? <laughs> no, it's not really training. I remember asking one, what would you, how would you dif- differentiate between teaching and training? They go, I know where you're going with this. What? No, training is knowledge, skills, character, and vision. Two of those are easily caught. What are they? Excuse me, easily taught. Knowledge and skills are easily taught, but the other two are not easily taught. They're more caught. The character and the vision, that has to be transferred to you in small groups and one-on-one and life-on-life, okay? So maybe God's going to call you to a Bible school or seminar. That's fantastic, but just know, just know. See, I, as I was going to all my classes, but I was there on, the, uh, there on that campus in the evenings and weekends sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, making disciples. I was trying to develop my skills and my character and my vision, you see. And so as you're starting to equip people, it's not all about knowledge, friends. Appreciate all the, you know, the John MacArthur books you're going to read or the tapes you're going to listen to or something or whoever, but... It better be some of the how-tos of personal and ministry skills, some of the deep character things you're working through, some of the personal and ministry vision. Okay, number four. Mobilize your campus as a sending base. This idea of mobilization. You're wanting to build relationships. You know, I, I really, I know people in ministry that don't, aren't good at relationships, Paul. It's really funny, they... They love the ministry. It's just people that they hate. You know, don't understand that at all, you know. But having thus a fond affection for you, Paul was writing, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives. Why? Because you become very dear to us. And so this idea of when you're evangelizing, establishing, equipping, and exporting, what about those relationships? And so those are the two components, direction and affection. We write those down. Ladies, you're a little bit stronger on the affection sometimes, you know. Let's just kind of love on each other. But where are we going here? What, what, what's, the, what's the path? What's the curriculum? What's the, the tools here, you know? And guys, we're the opposite, you know. We go, hey, dude, what's going on? You want to be in the group? Yeah, well, you know, here's the standards, you know. You enter, you out. You know, did you do your assignment this week? You know, click, 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 click. And so it feels like it can be all direction, no affection. But the combination of the two, pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Um, the gang, I thought that evangelism was just like the cream de la cream, whatever that means. Sounds French. I thought I was the Billy Graham of the campus. How many people can I lead to Christ? Oh, you know. 
So, but then I got involved with the navigators and learned about Dawson Trotman and discipling and multiplication. I said, no, 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 evangelism is obviously essential, but it's discipling men. How many disciples have we, have we made? You know, that was the, you know, ultimate. Then I went out to California here and took a course called Perspectives. Would you write that down, please? Perspectives.org. It turned my world upside down. I thought I knew everything there was to know about the Bible. I thought I knew everything there was to know about missions. And I realized I didn't know beans. And I took this class called Perspectives. You can take it too. There's well over 200 classes around the country that give you college credit for it. But it, 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 it's, it's informing you, teaching you the biblical, historical, cultural, strategic dimensions of this world Christian movement. Different professor every session, different readings that you're doing. By the time I got through with that class, my world was turned upside down. I didn't really know why I was doing the E and the D. But then when I got the M, I realized it connected all the dots for me. It gave me a reason to wake up in the morning. I came back to my campus. Oh, we had a map of the world on our wall of our, 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 our office of our campus ministry, and we had divided that campus up into every single affinity group there was on that campus and praying for it and doing prayer walks around it. We wanted to get two laborers in every single group on this thing. But when I got back from Perspectives, we put another map up, a map of the world. And I'm not really into dreams or visions. I don't I wish I could have a few of those. But that November morning, I could almost see. Maybe it was my breath. I don't know. My cold breath. I didn't give me much heat in that office. But there was a pipeline between the map of the campus and a map of the world. When the campus today reached the world tomorrow, and I realized, oh, my God word let's not measure our success by how many people come to our large group meeting whoop-de-doo not our seating capacity but our sending capacity it's not how many people we've led to christ or how many disciples we've made how many laborers can we raise up and launch out to the rest of the world that's what was on jesus heart the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few and so your campus, friends, Chico State, doesn't have to be USC or Harvard or UT or doesn't have to be some big football school or something. No. God can start on a small or medium size or whatever kind of campus it is. This can become one of the most incredible sending bases, one of the most some of the incredible launching pads in the world. And it just takes one person to get it up. One person. One person. Fill those four P's in real quick for me. Do you see that on there? I know you. I got a lot of type A personalities in here, Paul, and they don't want any blanks not, un, not filled. Sorry about that. So let me, I'll just, here it is. Here it is. Pioneering, parenting, partnering, and participating. Now, this is from perspectives. This is a principle. This is a missiological principle from the perspective study course. Pioneering, parenting, partnering, and participating. This applies to campus ministry. This applies to missions. This applies to ch child rearing. Hello. When you start on that affinity group, it's just you, friends. It's just you. You're the only one. You're the pioneer. You're going in. You're loving people, praying, sharing Christ, you know, winning them to Christ. They're all looking to you. 
But you're trying, you got to move to the next stage where you're parenting. You've got some new converts. They're looking to you. You're either a spiritual parent, they're a spiritual child. And then, but you're trying to help keep them growing. You must decrease. They must increase. Where now you're looking at this affinity group. You're looking at this campus as shoulder to shoulder. You're partners now. But ultimately, you're trying to equip them. You're trying to empower them. They must increase and you must decrease. Where now you're just a participant resourcing them. They're in charge. They now lead the charge. This is a principle of equipping and empowering that might be helpful for you. Okay. <clears throat> Last few thoughts. Prepare them to be lifelong laborers. Lifelong laborers. How do you do that? Walt Hendrickson, the disciples remain not born, stood before about a hundred of us when I was a college student there at Glenary. We thought we were Green Beret Christians, you know, Navy SEALs for Jesus, you know. And he said, only five of you out of a hundred here, only five of you will still be walking with God and impacting others for Christ in the same depth and intensity that you are now. Those were fighting words. What are you talking about? No way. No, it's true. It's exactly true. And I wanted to be one of those five because he, what, what he said was true. What does it mean to be a lifelong laborer? Part of it is developing the whole person, helping them select the right wife or husband, helping them select the right job, the lifestyle choices, you know, getting them Developing their spiritual gifts. Guide them into their calling, okay? What, what, what does it mean to be called? How do you know if you're called into full-time Christian service? Or uh, I think we're all called. I think all of us are called. Uh, some do it in a full-time measure, and, and some do not. Number five, lastly, remember to always keep the world in clear focus, okay? This is the idea of you developing a, 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 a campus as a, as a sending base, okay? And so these two passages about that we have been blessed to be a blessing to the nations, okay? Something is happening in our world today, friends. The population explosion is just going crazy. The last 75 years, I don't know why. I, I've got a lot of questions for the Lord. I've been writing them down. If he gives me the right answers, good question. I'll somehow, you know, get it back to you what those answers are, okay? Uh, but why, Lord? Why would, why would the world's population just be cruising along here, cruising along, cruising along, and then in the last 60, 70 years just be exploding? I mean, this morning at 930, this is what it was, you know. Well, not really, but because, you know, your internet is down. But it's almost like our national debt. I've never been in New York City and seen how much our national debt is growing every single second, you know. But uh, the population explosion is the same, you know. You know, it's just, you can't even see the numbers just so fast, you know. Can you make that sound? I really can't make that sound, you know. Oh, that's terrible, terrible, terrible. But if you ever, if you ever, if, if in your heart he says, I want to impact the world for Christ, I want to have an impact on history, I want to do something, if you ever had a desire to impact as many people uh, for Christ or, or re somehow impact the world, for Christ, you were born at a great time. I want to congratulate you. Good job. Okay, I commend you. You were born at a very strategic time in history and you truly can impact more people than any, any, at any point in history, okay? Now, 
Who knows what this map is? Well, thank you. It is the world. Yes, it is the world. Thank you. Um, thank you. But this is a world evangelization map for a particular group of people on our planet. A certain color on this map are green, dark green. Those are the true believers. The red, the pink, those are the infidels. There's 2,500 mosques and Islamic centers across the United States, friends. Okay? I've seen them on their knees. They're supposed to pray five times a day, you know. On their knees, praying on the world evangelization map. They've got a strategy, friends. On our campus, I don't know about your campus, years ago, the, 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 the Saudi... The Saudi oil guys came and said, can we give $30 million to the University of Arkansas to establish a Middle Eastern study department? Yeah, we'll take your money. Step one. Step two, find the, the biggest, most expensive piece of property across the University of Arkansas as possible and buy it and build a, build a mosque. Step two, bring in the most winsome iman Muslim leader they can. Do you know why, friends? They've recognized that the American college student is one of the most recruitable, trainable, sendable category of persons on the planet. They're putting their money where their mouth is. I think in some ways they have a better, not a better, a, 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 a more, uh, uh, they've thought through their strategy and they're more committed to a strategy than we are to reach our own students. Our battle is not a flesh and blood. Our battle is not against the Muslims. I promise you. But friends, isn't it? It's a little discouraging to me that the Muslims will be more committed to reaching and recruiting and sending our college students than we are. Oh God. Oh Lord. Please. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the truth. We have the church. We have the Great Commission. We have all this behind us. And yet they seem to be so committed. I hope that sobers you up a little bit of just what the challenges are. And so these roles, these roles, that's what we're going to end on. You find your role in this world Christian movement. Find your habits. You know, the, the traveling team now calls them habits. I like that. They, they, they want us to develop all these areas. That's what the Explore booklet, that's what the Go Mobilize is about. How do you find your role and how do you develop these habits in your life to be this world Christian, right? And so we'll leave it there and we'll pick it up. Tomorrow, is that right? May I pray for us? Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. There was stuff I passed over. Is there a little picture on there? Is it, is it in color? Oh, very impressive, very impressive. This is a high-dollar organization. <laughs> Who knows what that is? 1040 window. It's 10 degrees by, y'all help me, you geography majors. Is this, is this longitude or latitude? Latitude? Give me, give me some latitude. Is that the way it works? Okay. <laughs>
Give me some longitude. I don't know. Okay. Okay, but if you if you go to the equator, if you go to the equator, and draw a line, there's a ten, uh, ten degrees above the equator, and forty degrees above the equator, and you include you know uh, North Africa, all the Middle East, uh, all of Asia. That's where well over half the world's population lives. Uh, it's, the, it's the most unevangelized, illiterate, impoverished uh, part of our country. It's where all it's, it, of our world. It's where the unreached people groups reside, primarily in North Africa, Middle East, India, <clears throat> and um, different places in East East Asia. And so, that's really what's on my heart, Lord. How do we raise up laborers and flood the nations? Flood the nations with great commission workers. How do we do that? How do we mobilize the church around the world to raise up workers who will flood the nations? And those are the great areas of greatest need, Paul. Something else about the 1040 window you wanted to share? Okay, yeah. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for letting us share today, talk, and interact with each other. Lord, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I wish that I did. It's a struggle for me sometimes, Father. Sometimes I feel so apathetic. Sometimes I feel so lethargic and lazy. Do I really even care about this person? If I care about them, I'll reach out to them. If I care about them, I'll ask them about their life. I'll ask them about their soul. I'll love them enough to utter the golden question. I'll love them enough to let them answer. Oh, God, let all of us spend the rest of our lives asking those around us the golden question. Lord, give us converts, please. Give us new babies, new children, but then help us to be faithful to really follow up with them, Lord, to really spend time that first day, that second day, that third day, that first, second, third week, that first month, second month, third month, first year, say, to really pour into them and to reproduce ourselves. Father, don't let us neglect those children, new babes in Christ that you've given us. Every person that in this room that we could establish and ultimately equip and reproduce ourselves, and we've just cut the world in half. When we reproduce ourselves, we just cut the world in half. I pray that Chico State could become a sending base, God, a launching pad to the nations. Use this group, use individuals here to spark that revival. In Jesus' name, amen.